by Ziploc brand bags and containers. Whether it's school events, office parties, or gift shopping, the holiday to-do list is never-ending. But moms have an ally to take control of the chaos. Candace Cameron Bure, actress, producer, New York Times best-selling author, wife, and mother of three. The holidays are so much fun but can be totally chaotic. As a busy mom, I've learned a lot of life lessons and time-saving tips thanks to Ziploc brand. From organizing my home to DIY gifts to preparing holiday dinners, Ziploc brand products help me conquer life's chaos so I can spend quality time with my family and friends. Looking for easy, affordable gifts? Bake your favorite treat, place in a Ziploc brand holiday container or bag, and finish off with a festive ribbon or bow. Stock up on Ziploc for delicious holiday leftovers. The new containers with one press seal lock in freshness and easily stack to keep shelves neat and organized. When empty, they can be nested within each other, saving valuable storage space. For more information, visit lifelessons.ziploc.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. It is I, Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon Eastern Standard Time, here at the USA Radio Networks. Welcome to the program. I'm emanating out of Boston, Massachusetts. The station is in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. We're joined by Josh Proville, who is the um, creator of a new documentary film, Losing God. Josh, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Are you there, Josh? Can you hear me, Josh? All right, we're having a little. Yep, I sure do. Thanks for joining me. There we go. All right, well, thanks for having me back on. I think that it's my, um, I, I do the, uh, I have like a home um, studio here in Boston, and I think that there's some technical problems today. Probably the NSA is getting after me. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> talk a little bit, Josh, about your movie and how it is that you became an atheist. Sure. Um, I guess it happened over like about, about a two-year period. Uh, I, I was a Pentecostal Christian for most of my life, and... Uh, I reached a point where I started thinking for myself and, and questioning uh, a lot of my beliefs that before I had just gone along with, and I fully believed them, don't get me wrong here, but the, there was a point where I realized I hadn't really been questioning it with full skepticism. I had skepticism in other areas of my life as a performing mentalist, and I followed many uh, big-name skeptics and, and other performers in the field. And then I found out one day that one of them was an atheist. And I said, how could you be an atheist? He's so intelligent. It made no sense. And then I started researching. And uh, basically, once I started... By the way, that's a great question. If I could just interject here, I think that's a great question. Anyway, go on. What's that? I think that's a great question. How could you be an atheist? You're so intelligent. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Go on. (laughs) I got you. Um... So, yeah, basically I started questioning, and over about a two-year period, I started realizing uh, so many of these arguments made sense that I actually started losing my belief. And to those who have ever uh, converted or deconverted from one faith to another, you can understand that. 
once you hit a certain point, and the line I use is, um, once you stop believing that donkeys can talk, it's kind of hard to go back. I mean, there's a Bible story about uh, a donkey talking. But, uh, yeah, that's basically the short uh, version of my deconversion. And uh, I actually right. ended up making a, a documentary about this where uh, I wrote a little, uh, a short letter to family and friends kind of explaining it. Because, I mean, everybody up to that point that I knew was all, like, everybody was religious. There was no atheist in my life, uh, anything like that, even agnostics or, you know, along those lines. So my movie is divided up. It, it started with my letter, but then I found other members of the Christian faith. Uh, we have a Christian comedian. We have a uh, retired Christian psychotherapist. We have an 84-year-old pastor who's still pastoring to this day, a Christian biker, a street preacher. And we talked to all these people about things that my letter kind of focuses on, different aspects of the Christian faith, mental illness, would you kill your child for God, you know, these big-name kind of issues that are in society today. And in the film, we divide up uh, my letter with interviews with these folks, giving, basically sharing their beliefs on these issues. Uh, and we even put in some statistics about what the rest of America feels in the, in the same way. You know, Josh, when you say that you came to believe that donkeys can't talk, because obviously you're talking about the, um, the story of Bilam and Bilak in, in the Bible. Right. I think that in the broad sense, what you're saying here, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, is that you don't believe in any sort of a supernatural. You don't think that you think everything can be explained by what you can see, hear, smell, and touch. In other words, that it's a natural world, it's a natural universe, it's kind of a closed world, that nothing other than that which we as human beings can perceive is real. Uh, you know, in a sense, in the broad sense, when one operates on that line of reasoning, which is the materialist view, one also would deny the existence of a soul. They would deny the existence of the source of reason. In a sense, we just assume it, it happens. Um, you, you're denying, um, in other words, it's a natural versus a, a broader supernatural view. So would you say that you do not believe in anything but the physical, natural world? In other words, that human beings are nothing more than <clears throat> this bag of, of bones and blood that we're nothing more than evolving animals that, that evolve through breeding, which is of course is Darwin's theory. But and I'm not saying you I'm not subscribing you to that theory, but I mean do you do you get what I'm saying at do you uh, do you subscribe yeah. to that natural view? Okay. Sure. So um, then therefore there's no there's nothing miraculous about life. There's nothing in terms of um you know, when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes to the world, everything can be explained by matter. There's nothing, there's no spirit there. There's nothing that can't be physically explained by observation. Sure. Well, uh, just for starters, the idea that there's nothing miraculous about the world, whether or not it came from a God, I, I disagree with. Uh, I, I, a, a while back, there was a video that went viral. Uh, there was uh, the woman who swam across, I, I can't remember exactly where, but one of the oceans or something, you know, she swam a huge distance and went on Oprah Winfrey to talk about it, right? And this went viral because Oprah was asking her if she believed in a God or not. And this woman said, no, I don't believe in God. But she made a great statement. She said, I'm an atheist who's in awe, right? So 
Oprah says you can't be in awe of the universe or the wonder of life or anything if you're an atheist, unless you believe in a god. I disagree with that. But when it gets to the original question of uh, is it more of a naturalist viewpoint on life, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. I think most of what we know today uh, it, it still needs to be improved upon, right? I mean, that's what makes science so awesome, that we can think something is true, we can back it up with the best evidence we have, and then down the road, as better evidence comes along and disproves that, we can use that evidence, and we'll get better as time goes on. So, yeah, I, I think right. the evidence uh, regarding things like a soul or whatever, uh, we don't really have evidence for that. And a lot of people say, well, if it is supernatural, there won't be any natural evidence. Well, I guess that's the problem then with a supernatural belief system. What, what evidence do we have? If we're really trying to ground it in science and, and the scientific method, what evidence can we turn to to support that, uh, that idea or that theory, if you will? Um, so yeah, I, I would suppose that just to, just to, yeah, just to answer the question, I think that, um, and of course this is my opinion. I think it was none other than Thomas Jefferson who said it best in the declaration of independence, which is that it is self-evident. And by the way, I agree with you in that I don't agree with Oprah in that one cannot take in the awesome nature of the universe. I think you can. But that does that that but you're kind of begging the question there, nevertheless, which is, is this universe that has an awesome nature that we don't understand aspects of? Do you believe that it is a naturalist universe, or do you think that there is a supernatural element? In other words, can everything, regardless of how awesome, regardless of the fact that we haven't discovered everything or identified everything, is it just simply something that exists as matter? Or is there some sort of a supernatural aspect, what uh, Aristotle called the primus mobile? In other words, is there a prime mover? Is there a, a point in time or in space where things were created by something other than just it, it just exists as a physical mass? Right. Well, I think the evidence that we have today uh, would say that there is, as you would say, you'd probably disagree with this, um, there's no supernatural element that we have any evidence for. And that's, especially if you go down the route, which we talk about a little bit in the film uh, regarding, you know, creation versus evolution. I don't really get into that type of discussion because, number one, I don't know a whole lot about that. That doesn't concern me because my argument is I don't know a lot, and that's okay. It's okay not to know something. But what tends to happen when it comes to the supernatural is when someone doesn't know something, they tend to say, well, I'll just accept it on faith. So I'll accept the fact that there is a prime mover on faith instead of going, let's find out what actually happened. Let's look at the evidence and try to come up with the solution. Does that make sense? Sure. And I think that, you know, as Jefferson said, it's self-evident, you know, that there's not that, that we're not just a an inanimate bag of matter that simply moves through the world and that breeds in order to create superior races, which was Darwin's theory. It's a racist theory. And then well, I think you're talking about social race. Darwinism there, which is a little different. But anyways, go ahead, Chuck. No, it's the same. It's the practice of social Darwinism as, as believed in by Darwin and by his son, who was the head of the eugenics department at the uh, at London School. It's the practice of Darwinism. In other words, if you take the idea 
that man is nothing more than an animal that breeds in order to create a superior species, or any, any species for that matter, then the practical result, the practice of that would be to create a superior species to breeding. That's what the uh, theory that was embraced in the biological sense by the Nazis, but also in the philosophical and social sense by Karl Marx, who uh, dedicated his uh, book, Das Kapital, to Darwin and who credited Darwin with helping him found his theory where he had societies evolve until they had reached the perfect society, which he called communism. But putting that aside, the idea at its core is that man is nothing more than just, you know, a, a bag of matter. And I would suggest to you that uh, science and logic and uh, observation is actually not on that side. I mean, it just seems, as Jefferson said, self-evident that there is something more going on in life than simply inanimate objects moving around like pieces of cordwood and breeding with each other, that there is some greater purpose, greater function. Now, in Western society, we call it God. In other societies, they have other names for it. But it, you know, it doesn't matter, really. The point is that the principle is that there is something bigger, there's a greater meaning, and that this something not only is a creator of the universe, however that came about, and that's a mystery, but it also is the source of, uh, of a moral code that is inherent. You know, it's not something that just happened. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, the, the ideas that, that, for example, this country was founded on, which is, uh, you know, were based upon the biblical moral code of, uh, of Sinai. In other words, the reason why we understand that killing is wrong thou shalt not kill, is from Sinai. You know, that's that was what uh, the, the Torah told us. Anyway, so your thoughts. Sure. Well, just regarding Darwin real quick, we don't have to get stuck in that, but uh, the idea of, as you mentioned, like survival of the fittest and, and stuff like that, uh, Darwin basically gave an analysis of what he sees, right, currently in, in nature, what happens. So... The argument that it should be that way and we should, you know, have a superior race, that doesn't necessarily stem from that. That's just what he observes and then other people, and, and you're saying maybe even his son or whoever, I'm not familiar with that, but let's say they even went with that. The idea that it does exist doesn't make it something we should follow. It just happens to exist. But we don't, we don't have to get stuck in that. Right. When it comes to... No, I think uh, you're right. It's a, well, well, we're going to take a break here. But yes, sure. they, he identified this or claimed to identify it as something that exists. The practical science of it is that you then advance it. We'll be right back. This report is brought to you by in-flight Wi-Fi provider GoGo. Technology is making the skies a little friendlier this holiday season and less turbulent for travelers at crowded airports. Not only can you get ahead of lines at the gate by checking in for your flight on your smartphone, now mobile app Gate Guru will tell you how long it'll take to clear security. With TripIt's app, track your family's itinerary, store hotel and rental car information, and make last-minute adjustments. Cassie Slane, lifestyle technology expert. Wherever you leave off on the ground, pick up at 30,000 feet. 
GoGo is available on more than 2,000 airplanes across 11 airlines. And if your flight plans take you overseas for the holidays, you may notice connectivity to certain international destinations this year. Surf the web, send emails, and stay connected on social media. Plus, GoGo Vision offers a variety of TV shows and movies that you can stream directly to your own device to keep the kids entertained and make the flight fly by. For more information, visit gogoair.com. This report brought to you by Bank of America, working with travel expert Samantha Brown. Exploring a new city can be an exciting adventure, but worrying about budget can take the fun out of any vacation. According to a recent Bank of America survey, more than half of Americans make vacation choices based on travel costs. Samantha Brown, TV host and travel expert. One of the best ways you can save on travel expenses is to stay with family or friends. Or, if that's not an option, it's generally cheaper to travel during off-peak seasons. One of my favorite ways to offset costs is using a travel rewards credit card that gives me the flexibility to use my points towards a broad range of travel expenses. With the Bank AmeriCard Travel Rewards Credit Card, you earn unlimited one and a half points for every dollar spent on all your purchases. Simply redeem points for an online statement credit to pay yourself back for travel-related expenses. This way, your everyday purchases can help pay off your fun activities and help your travel budget. For more information, visit www.bankofamerica.com slash travel rewards. This report is brought to you by Ziploc brand bags and containers. Whether it's school events, office parties, or gift shopping, the holiday to-do list is never-ending. But moms have an ally to take control of the chaos. Candace Cameron Bure, actress, producer, New York Times best-selling author, wife, and mother of three. The holidays are so much fun but can be totally chaotic. As a busy mom, I've learned a lot of life lessons and time-saving tips thanks to Ziploc Brand. From organizing my home to DIY gifts to preparing holiday dinners, Ziploc Brand products help me conquer life's chaos so I can spend quality time with my family and friends. Looking for easy, affordable gifts? Bake your favorite treat, place in a Ziploc Brand holiday container or bag, and finish off with a festive ribbon or bow. Stock up on Ziploc for delicious holiday leftovers. The new containers with one press seal lock in freshness and easily stack to keep shelves neat and organized. When empty, they can be nested within each other, saving valuable storage space. For more information, visit lifelessons.ziploc.com. This report brought to you by the 60 Plus Association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's Clean Power Plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60 Plus Association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact Americans. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Okay, my guest is Josh Preville. The website is joshpreville.com. And Josh is a filmmaker, author, mentalist. He is the uh, he's created a new documentary called Losing God, which is available on his website. 
Josh, we don't want to get bogged too bogged down into um, a, a talk about uh, Darwin. I just would point out that um, you know the the process of science, and I kind of agree with you here with regard to what it, what he did, is that uh, the science science will identify something that's true, and I, and reality, I would argue it's an identification of God's world, but that's another subject, and then it's applied. In other words. When, when in chemistry we identify and isolate a drug that can help cure a disease, we then use the drug to cure the disease, or we apply it. It's a, you know, it becomes an applied science. So Darwin's theory, which was never proven, uh, recognized or claimed or, or was theorized that man would and, and species would evolve through breeding and eventually out would pop a superior species. And the application of that theory assuming that that was true, was called the eugenics. I mean, it was this idea that, therefore, since we want to breed superior species or superior human beings who would be healthier and stronger and more intelligent, we would engage in a, a deliberate and conscious process of breeding people and getting rid of people who we think are not well-bred because, after all, they're taking up space and the world has limited resources. And that ultimately, eventually, out will pop a new species, a superior species, what the Nazis called the Ubermensch. And that this theory was adapted by Marx to become a social theory, which is that mankind would evolve through different stages of society, feudalism, capitalism, socialism, and eventually the ultimate goal, utopian, would be communism, where the entire planet would become a massive ant colony, and that everyone would be actual, e actually equal, de facto equal, and that all the things that make us unequal would, would disappear, would vanish. And one of those things, by the way, was believe in God. Anyway, um, Josh, but, but, but I think that getting back to our topic here, you are a, believe, you're, you're a naturalist. You think that everything can be explained by what you can see. There's nothing, there's no supernatural element. There's no soul. Let me ask you this. I mean, this is, I know it's kind of a simplistic question, but if you tell me that there's no soul, how do you explain Aretha Franklin? Well, uh, just to address on that Darwinism thing, sure, some people uh, took what he said and said, let's apply it. That does not mean that uh, you, you should, though. That does not mean it's a good thing. That does not mean that it, it means atheists do that, etc. Just to you know, make that clear. No, I agree. I mean, you should, and I don't think you should, by the way. I mean, I'm totally with you on that. Right. Um, oh, so okay. regarding the soul, um, I would just ask what evidence we have for the soul. Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul. soul. Where do you think that came from? Do you think she's, are you going to tell me she's just a good singer? I mean, there is something more going on there that makes that happen. I mean, does she have a better throat than someone else? I mean, this, is everything just physical? You know, is it just air breathing through a, a, a larynx? There's something more. I would argue we'll let our listeners decide otherwise. There's sure. something more going on with that. There is a soul. That's why they call her the queen of soul. I mean, music. Well, I mean, where, where did this? I, I, mean, Mozart, I mean, Mozart or Beethoven, they put a bunch of little marks on a page to uh, create a symphony. But yet there's something bigger going on when that happens, when you hear that, when you listen to something or when you experience something that's an abstract expression, I would argue, of soul or something greater 
like art or the arts, you are connecting with something that is more than just physical existence. It's obvious. I mean, I think that, again, Jefferson, not to repeat myself, said it's self-evident that we are endowed well, by a creator. Anyway. Yeah, I think you, you've, you've taken something, right, that, that's an experience for you or for someone else that is a result of, of neurons firing in your brain that you are now citing to a higher being. And the only evidence you've provided to that soul or that supernatural element is that experience, right? So you asked if it's something just, is it just her throat? Is it this? Is it that? Uh, for some people, right, you can look at them and you can literally scan someone's brain, right? So we can see that creativity stems from certain areas of the brain and certain talents or gifts or whatever you'd like to call them are a result of your brain. Now, let's make the argument in your favor for a second. Let's say, you know what, we can't predict anything. Let's say we have no knowledge of any creativity in the brain or anything. All we've come up with is, I can't explain how they sing this way or how they affect me in this way, so it must be, insert the blank here. As All right, Josh, we're going to take there. another break. we got to take another break. We'll be right back, Josh. Hold on. Sure. By Bank of America, working with travel expert Samantha Brown. Exploring a new city can be an exciting adventure, but worrying about budget can take the fun out of any vacation. According to a recent Bank of America survey, more than half of Americans make vacation choices based on travel costs. Samantha Brown, TV host and travel expert. One of the best ways you can save on travel expenses is to stay with family or friends. Or, if that's not an option, it's generally cheaper to travel during off-peak seasons. One of my favorite ways to offset costs is using a travel rewards credit card that gives me the flexibility to use my points towards a broad range of travel expenses. With the Bank AmeriCard Travel Rewards Credit Card, you earn unlimited one and a half points for every dollar spent on all your purchases. Simply redeem points for an online statement credit to pay yourself back for travel-related expenses. This way, your everyday purchases can help pay off your fun activities and help your travel budget. For more information, visit www.bankofamerica.com slash travel rewards. This report brought to you by the 60-plus association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's clean power plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60-plus association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact America. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much. Josh Preville is my guest. The website is uh, joshpreville.com. His movie, Losing God. You know, Josh, uh, I'm not a scientist, and you're not a scientist. But I've know, I know enough about science from, from many years of interviewing scientists and um, studying science 
to uh, suggest that that this idea that um, music and that the reaction of music can be explained by neurons firing in the brain, that's really faulty science. I've never seen a scientist who is, has any legitimacy come up and suggest that. There's certainly no proof of that. There's very little. I mean, if you if you talk to uh, you know scientists who study the brain, they will tell you that there is still very little known about it, and we're the you know, there is a sense, there is actually a theory that the brain is the source of reason, but there's no proof of that either. I mean, so I think that, that if you're going to make sweeping statements and claim they're scientific, that's okay, but I think it should be put in the context that this is opinion and that uh, if you can cite someone to back it up, that would be great, but I would suggest that if you did, you would find out that they would not either say this or that they would point out that it's a theory. So I just want to make that little disclaimer there. Sure. Well, uh, when, when I say that, I don't know, if we, and your listeners can go back, I'm sure, and uh, listen to the podcast, but I'm not making a claim that the reason that Aretha Franklin is such a wonderful singer is because of neurons firing. I was giving an example of how sometimes things come down to little actions in the brain, so a neuron firing, so a receptor, you know, whatever you want to, come down to yeah, there's no proof there is that, that a has small minute that. fraction of brain activity going on that creates a larger effect so every thought that we have right now is a result of a neuron in some area firing off at the synapses right so yeah, i'm not making that mean? It that it, all that means all that all that great. yeah but wait a minute josh all that means is that you know our brains and, the, and our other organs function and respond to that we're alive it doesn't in other words to assign that some meaning that would therefore explain what it is that makes Aretha Franklin's music. And again, we're using her as an example. We could use others. Right. I mean, you know, have the reaction it is. That, that's pretty faulty. I mean, of course the brain has has neurons firing every time you go to the toilet. I mean, it's a, you know, there's nothing. Right. There's no, you know, you're putting a certain um, suggestion of judgment on the on what that means, and that's not something that science does. It just observes the fact that it happens. There's nothing beyond that. And again, people who study the brain will tell you, and these are the best scientists, that there's still very little known about it. Nobody knows oh, what I that means. Oh, I agree with you. I'm not making any absolute have... claims okay. about the, you know, the, the creation of those thoughts or the effect of them. I'm just saying, I, I think the context of what we were saying when this came up was, oh, it's the soul. And I said, well, I think things boil down to little actions that create a larger whole. You said it's the soul, and the only reason that it's the soul in your uh, in your example you gave was, well, she's amazing, and I can't explain it. So I'm saying, well, we can explain, for example, a thought, or like you said, you can sit on the toilet and you're thinking, right? Some people ten years ago said, how do you know how to go on the toilet? You have no clue. So my only point here was not that I'm this amazing scientist making this claim about how Aretha Franklin is amazing. I'm saying you came up with an example of. Listen, I can't explain how good she is besides a soul. And then Josh comes back and says, well, I think there's more to it than just let's just blame it on the soul. Let's look at why we have thoughts, why, why we have a feeling when we hear music. Some people aren't affected by music in the way that you and I might be affected by music. So why is that? Is their brain chemistry different? Science is about asking questions and trying to figure out the answer. Not just going, oh, it must be the soul, because Jefferson said it's the soul. Does that make sense? 
Well, the fact is that science doesn't have the answer to this. Everyone is affected at some level by music, and that the reason Aretha Franklin does what she does also is because she's worked at it. I mean, it's no question that there are there are there are earthly, natural reasons why she's been. She, by the way, she came from church. She uh, started singing because she was inspired by something bigger. But putting that aside, that's part of it. Anyway, we'll be right back. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the On Demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Brought to you by Bank of America. Many millennials worry they'll end up in the red by spending too much green this holiday season. A new Better Money Habits Millennial Report found 70% of millennials enjoy giving presents, but 45% worry about overspending on them. Those with credit cards seem most concerned. Older millennials appear more stressed about holiday debt than their younger counterparts. Bank of America Global Corporate Social Responsibility Executive Andrew Plepler explains why so many millennials may not feel the holiday cheer. Everybody wants to be generous during the holiday season. Millennials especially want to treat their friends and family. But the fact is a majority of millennials live paycheck to paycheck and find it difficult to live within their means, which can make the holiday season particularly stressful. To help millennials tackle financial issues during the holidays and any time of year, Bank of America has partnered with education innovator Khan Academy to offer BetterMoneyHabits.com, a free resource with objective and engaging content on a range of personal finance topics. Visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much, and my guest is Josh Preville. The website is joshpreville.com, uh, his movie, Losing God. Josh, you went out and you asked people whether or not they would 
kill their, their child, their son or daughter, if God told them to do it. And uh, obviously that's a slam on the, old, on, the, uh, on the book of Genesis because in that book God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. So uh, I think that the answer to that question, I mean, and people need to understand the context before they answer such a question. First of all, you should study as a Jew. I, I, speaking as a Jew here, you need to study the Talmud and you need to study the rabbis and you also need to understand the Torah in Hebrew, not in English, because the English translation is not accurate. You know, it, it basically, what it did was it, it it isolated it into simple meanings. It took out some of the nuance. But having said that, I would point out that, number one, I'm, more, I, I'm interested in what man is doing to other men and women. That's something that I can't control, but at least I can have some influence over. I can't control or influence or understand what God does. I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, to understand why God did this, again, I would refer to the rabbis of the Talmud. But to suggest that God is coming to somebody today and telling them to kill somebody, I would say that if that happens, and, and this is for our listeners here, number one, you should see a psychiatrist because you're hearing voices, right? I mean, you're, you're hearing voices, and you know what you think might be God, you need to get help. You need medical help. And secondly, I would suggest you see a pastor, whether it be a rabbi or a minister, and say, you know, I think I'm hearing voices, and I think it's God talking to me, telling me to murder somebody. How can I know what this is? In other words, you know, a person that has is, is not insane and that has a shred of rationality and reason would take the necessary steps to try to find out what's going on, to see is this really God or am I a schizophrenic or, or am I hallucinating? And if they do that, then they're going to discover that, that they're, they're hallucinating, you know, that this is, uh, it comes from a psychological problem. So, Josh? Okay, we're going to take a yeah. brief break here. Josh, when we come back, you can respond. Sure. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Author, journalist, and American patriot, this is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much, and my guest is Josh Perville. The website, joshperville.com. The movie is Losing God. This is uh, 
Josh doing a, a documentary where he goes out and asks people on the street or wherever uh, questions that would would um, cause them or maybe cause him at one point to question his faith in God. And uh, in this case, we're talking about uh, his calling people. Would you kill your child if you if God told you to do it? Uh, I, I've told you what I think about that. I mean, I think that you, you need to see a psychiatrist. But the bigger question, Josh, I think is that um, I'm concerned with what we can do as people on Earth to deal with other people who are killing people. I can't worry about what God does or doesn't do, but I can worry about what sort of society can exist that would discourage other people from killing others and taking the place of God by deciding who lives and who dies, but have no right to do so because they're not God, they're humans. I can also be concerned with political philosophies that encourage killing other people. I mean, I point to historic examples like Lenin, the founder of the uh, socialist experiment in Russia, who ordered the murders of millions of people because they were not politically correct, literally sent out his cheka to kill people by the hundreds of thousands, eventually millions. I could point to Hitler, did the same thing. That's what worries me as a human being, not whether God is going to tell anybody to kill someone. It's whether people are being told to kill other people for various reasons. It's from people who are trying to replace God with men. What say you? Well, I think uh, from my end, if there was a God who was telling people to kill people, I would be equally concerned with that God as I would be with other humans who are killing people. But I get you, your logic that, you know, if it really is a God who's doing this, we can't control that God. Um, so That's right. when you make comparisons to people on Earth, I think this gets into the idea of morality, right, and how we can... Uh, create laws, and you you brought up earlier that our legal system is based on the Ten Commandments. Um, well, some of the Ten Commandments are good. That's awesome. Don't steal. You know, we don't want you to kill people. Uh, but I, I think the argument that we need the Ten Commandments to know right from wrong uh, is not, to me, is not based on any kind of uh, logic, just because, uh, well, I guess it depends where you go with that. I mean, if you think atheists are, I mean, I've talked to people who said that if they became an atheist, they would just start, like, going out and being immoral and killing people. They've actually told me this, Chuck. And, and I said, well, I'm glad that you stay religious then if you don't have that control of your actions. You know what I'm saying? So I guess it depends on what you're really trying to say when it comes to uh, the laws of a country or a ruling society. Because I think you're right. I think we do need to hold people accountable, but it's on what standard, I think, is the point you're making. Well, yeah, and first of all, God isn't telling anybody to kill anybody. I mean, in the in the Torah, there are specific cases at specific times with specific people where God told Moses and he told the children of Israel to annihilate certain people, but those are people who don't exist anymore. And there were reasons why that happened. It wasn't something that Moses wanted to do. The rabbis explain it. It's really something that is held up to mankind um, as an example for not for what not to do, and that ultimately you're going to die for doing this, not on earth, but in your soul, and that uh, God is not calling anybody to be killed today. This is one of the problems, quite frankly, that Islam has. They think that they're being commanded to kill people 
who are infidels because they think God is telling them to do that. I'm I'm operating here from the uh, Judeo-Christian perspective. I mean, I believe in the, the Torah, which, by the way, Islam does too, and I think that they've forgotten that because they also hold the Torah up as divine. And uh, I think we should remind Muslims that uh, that that's, that's part of their faith also. And as far as the Ten Commandments, it's not just the Ten Commandments. The idea of thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, it is the Ten Commandments, and it is the and the entire Decalogue is the basis, and this is a fact of history, not only of Western civilization, but of our founding of this republic. The founding fathers looked to the Bible when they decided and crafted the sort of government we would have. And they did so in the most fundamental aspect of it. And the one thing that I think made the United States the most religious country in history is that Jefferson in particular, but they all got this idea that rights come from the creator, not from the state, not from man. In other words, we don't make up laws because we find them convenient. We'll make up laws like Lenin made up laws. Oh, well, we'll kill the kulaks. We feel that law is something that is outside of man's ability to create. It's something that is beyond human manipulation. And that's the very idea that this country is founded on. Jefferson said it in the Declaration of Independence. We're endowed by the creator with rights, not the state. This report brought to you by the 60-plus association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's Clean Power Plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60-plus association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact America. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Josh fulfills my guest. You know, Josh, you, I, I certainly think that atheists are capable of understanding basic morality, but I also would suggest that um, in our own times, the societies that have turned their back on God, the societies have been atheists, which are both the communist and the Nazi movements, they, they were not respective of, of these principles. They believed that they had a right as elites who were enlightened somehow to make laws, and those laws could include eliminating people that were standing in the way of their idea of progress or evolution. And I think that the, the idea that laws come from outside of man's manipulation is something that I would argue is self-evident. I would argue that it, it didn't just come out of nowhere. I mean, it would be natural for people to kill each other, wouldn't it? It would be natural to steal. 
right? I mean, there's nothing in nature yeah, well, that would when, say when, don't do if that. If we look at, you said a few things. The first thing you were talking about is, is societies that are atheists, and we touched upon this on, on my first interview on your show, so I won't get bogged in it. But um, basically, okay. a society that is atheist, quote-unquote, all the word atheist is, it's a word to signify a lack of belief in a god. So atheist. I mean, if you don't believe in aliens, you'd be an a-Martianist, right? You don't believe in them. It just addresses belief. So if someone says, I'm an atheist, and I also do this, right, fill in the blank, that now uh, fulfills a new thing. There's no tenets of atheism. You just don't believe in a god. So when societies take that on and then, you know, go, go down a different road, I don't think we should stereotype that word. So just like if someone were, the other day I just read an article about somebody who killed their children and they were Christian. That does not mean that Christians want to kill their children. That means we have a person who did and said that it was because of Christianity. We shouldn't stereotype Christians and we shouldn't stereotype atheists or the titles they hold. Uh, When it comes to the society and how we rule and where laws come from, uh, I I would disagree. I, I think people have an idea of, you think back to tribal days, I mean, now in, in America we're not so much tribal, but other countries still have very, you know, different social groups. It's more of a sociological argument that if you kill the members of your group, your group gets smaller. We don't want to do that. All right, uh, we can, we'll be back. we got to take one more break here. Let's try and We'll be back after these messages. Awful. And now you're thinking about dragging yourself to see a doctor. You're in the waiting room filled with people who look sicker than you, or worse, waiting endlessly in the emergency room. That's the way the system works, right? Wrong. Now there's a better way. Imagine having a doctor on call 24-7 that can help find out what's going on, and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy right over the phone, all at a fraction of the cost. I'm talking no deductibles, no extra costs, no appointments, and no germ-filled waiting rooms. Just top-notch medical doctors, 24 Call now to be accepted 100% guaranteed. But you must call now to register for free and get your health pass absolutely risk-free for 14 days. Just call 800-375-0299. It's easy and affordable, and registration is free. Call now to get 24-7 coverage starting today. But hurry, free registration will not last forever. Call 800-375-0299. That's 800-375-0299. 800-375-0299. By Ziploc brand bags and containers. Whether it's school events, office parties, or gift shopping, the holiday to-do list is never-ending, but moms have an ally to take control of the chaos. Candace Cameron Bure, actress, producer, New York Times best-selling author, wife, and mother of three. The holidays are so much fun, but can be totally chaotic. As a busy mom, I've learned a lot of life lessons and time-saving tips thanks to Ziploc brands. From organizing my home to DIY gifts to preparing holiday dinners, Ziploc brand products help me conquer life's chaos so I can spend quality time with my family and friends. Looking for easy, affordable gifts? Bake your favorite treat, place in a Ziploc brand holiday container or bag, and finish off with a festive ribbon or bow. Stock up on Ziploc for delicious holiday leftovers. The new containers with one press seal lock in freshness and easily stack to keep shelves neat and organized. When empty, they can be nested within each other, saving valuable storage space. For more information, visit lifelessons.ziploc.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. 
You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. Chuck Moore speaks here at the USA Radio Network, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon. Eastern Standard Time, hour number two, and my guest is Josh Perville. Josh has been gracious enough to stay on into the second hour here. He's a filmmaker, author, mentalist. He's got a website, uh, that being uh, joshperville.com. He's got a movie up there, also on YouTube, that's uh, a documentary of his uh, story of losing God. Uh, Josh, uh, we, you know, we were talking uh, earlier, and I just want to respond quickly. There's nothing whatsoever in Christianity that told anybody to kill anybody. The woman who murdered her children, she didn't do it. She may have been a Christian that claimed to be in name, but there's nothing that instructed her to do that. The same can't be said about man-made political movements, as I've pointed out. I don't mean to sound like a broken record here, but Nazism and communism, both atheistic movements, they do call for killing people. They call for killing a lot of people. So she was just, she was insane. Or she was just, uh, if she was embracing some kind of an ideology, it certainly was nothing in Christianity that told her to kill anybody. She wasn't, there's nothing that, uh, you know, authorized her to go out and kill her children. That's just a fact. Now, um, well, as far as the origin of, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to address uh, a few things there. Uh, first of all, I, I'm going to have to be repeating myself on this. When it comes to an atheist movement, right, all the word atheist means is a lack of belief in God, someone who does not believe in a God. Now, if an atheist does something, that's on their own, you know, their own business. But you can't say that, well, you can say whatever you want, but it is not grounded in the actual definition of atheism. Break it apart. Theism, belief in God, A, not or no belief in a God. Put them together. So, no belief in a God or lack of belief in a God does not automatically jump over to, let's kill people. Now, there were some people who said, oh, I'm an atheist, or oh, I'm this, and I do this. And the example I brought in of that woman was to show, she says she's a Christian, she killed her child, thinks that God wanted her to do that. That is not representative of all Christians in the same way that an atheist killing someone is not representative of atheists. There is no... A movement of atheism would only be, by definition, a movement of no belief in a God or lack in a belief of God. So when we make that claim, we're inserting things that don't belong there because we're now generalizing one person's view that they think fit in a certain way to a whole population, which is not true. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I actually agree with you. And technically, I agree with you in that atheism basically believes in nothing. They don't believe in any supernatural. They don't, they just, uh, it's like a non-belief. They they exist in a sense as a negative. We are non-believers. We don't believe, in this case, in God. So therefore, you can't ascribe things to them since they're saying we don't believe in God. We may have other beliefs, but it's not, it doesn't include belief in God. I would point out to you, however, Josh, that the, the sum effect of it, and this is, does not apply to everybody who's an atheist, because probably, at least in this country, most people who are atheists have embraced what I would argue is the Judeo-Christian moral code. But 
the idea in its sum is that if you don't believe in anything, then there's a vacuum, and that that vacuum, if it's embraced by a lot of people, is going to be filled by something. I think it was G.K. Chesterton, the British Christian uh, thinker of the of the early 19th century, who made this point. He wrote about it extensively, whereas he said, if you don't believe in anything, you're going to eventually believe in everything. And that uh, in that vacuum then comes other beliefs eventually. And again, I'm not, I don't mean to generalize here because it's not true with everyone who's an atheist. It's probably not true with you, I don't think. But But if you have a... A uh, like a, an ideology that suggests that you should turn your back on God and believe in the state or believe in the Fuhrer or believe in the king or believe in whoever, then people naturally seem to look toward it. There's something about the human makeup that we look to something to believe in. And if it's not going to be God, it's going to be Hitler. It's going to be All the right, state. Now, again, I know just, I'm uh, general. I don't mean the, to generalize here. I'm not saying right. I'm not general saying that that's true across the board. I'm saying that it is a vacuum of belief. It is a non-belief, but human beings believe. So therefore, the right. question so, comes down to what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe in a supernatural God or are you going to believe in an, a man-made, earth-bound uh, set of ideologies that serve someone else's interests? Right. So when we look at, first of all, what you said about atheism, Atheism is only a, a lack of belief in a god. So it, it's not when when you say they don't believe in anything, you can believe in all kinds of things. But atheism just addresses a deity, right? So I would plot, and I don't know exactly where you fall on this, but most Christians that I've spoken with, right? You say, "Oh, do you believe in Allah?" And they say, "No, I believe in you know Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Trinity, right? The the biblical Judeo-Christian God." So if if they believe in one God or not, or if you don't believe in Thor or Zeus, or, you know, insert whatever God through time people have worshipped here, if they don't believe in one God, I also don't believe in that God. I just go one God further, right? That's like the, the, the simplest way to put it. I just go one God further. So you already, and I can't speak for you, Chuck, but many people I've spoken with, already don't believe in a bunch of different gods. They select one that they're going to believe in, right? and the rest are written off. So atheists just go one God further, and they don't believe in any of them. I mean, you, you can be an atheist and believe in aliens if okay. you want. Atheism is just a lack of belief in a deity. Uh, but when, when it right. comes to, um, the, you know, society and, and jumping now into other beliefs, uh, the argument could be made in reverse that once you believe in Jesus Christ, you could believe in other things. I, I mean, it is, we can't, I mean, we when we look at it on the whole, we have to be careful that we're not making generalizations, even if we don't want to, because in a sense we are saying if you don't believe in God, then you'll love the state or, you know, whatever statement you're making. I know I'm not getting it right here, but I think we're making a jump that doesn't really follow logically along those lines. It's like if I said, well, if you believe in God, you must believe in the tooth fairy. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? Well, what I'm saying is that if you don't believe in a supernatural, however that happens, you're going to believe in a man-made entity, something that uh, is going to command you to do things. In other words, I guess that it goes down to, again, the, the, the ideas that created the founding of the American Republic, which is something I actually have studied. 
and that is that we believe that rights come from outside of human manipulation. In the case of the West, it's God. It's, that's what we call it, and the uh, Judeo-Christian moral code. And if you don't believe that, that it's outside of human manipulation, then you're going to be manipulated ultimately by human ideas, and that those ideas are not rooted in an objective understanding of morality. They're objective, okay, they're rooted in yourself in, in interest. Right, so that's interesting. Um, it, I, again, I don't quite know where you fall. I, I know you said that you're Jewish. If I look at the faith I came from, right, Pentecostal Christianity, uh, born again, former born-again Christian, right, if you look at the moral system that we're talking about, sure, you can take out some good things from the Ten Commandments, not... You know, we don't have to get into Ten Commandments, but, you know, you can talk about why is it immoral to make an idol? Why, what does that have to do with morality? It seems to be a, a personal religious view. But regardless, let's go with, okay, some of these murder things and stealing, that stuff's good, right? But according to my former faith that I came from, and, and again, we briefly touch on this in Losing God. People can get it now. It's at LosingGodMovie.com or Josh Preville, whichever is easier to remember. In the movie and in my life, I get in this discussion a lot. When you look at faith and belief and what makes things moral and immoral, I don't know if you believe this, you'll have to let me know, but where I came from, if somebody killed somebody, they can still go to heaven just off belief in God. It has nothing to do with their actions or the, their punishment for their actions, right? So on, on earth here, if you kill somebody, they're going to be held accountable. In heaven, if you believe the way that uh, I, most folks in uh, sort of Protestant, I guess, Christianity would fall, if you just you say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I killed somebody, I believe in you, you'll go to heaven and be uh, rewarded eternally versus someone who mm -hmm. may have been in, feeding the homeless every day, but if they didn't believe in Jesus, they didn't have a belief in God, they're going to be tortured forever. Now, if that's a moral right. standard, I'd question that 100%. Well, so do I. I mean, I'm not Christian. Um, right. That's a Christian theological matter. I, I think that that's, it's a belief that, I mean, it's harmless. They're not flying airplanes into buildings. Uh, right. You know, the important thing to me is that the Christian has accepted the uh, the, the, the moral and ethical code of Sinai. They've accepted right. the... Um, the the uh, the Decalogue, and that's a debate that's existed within Christianity, whether it's a a, a a a religion of sheer faith, or whether it's a religion of works. Judaism is a religion of works and faith, as is Catholicism, um, as are most Protestant groups. Now you're talking about one that says, okay, I can go out and murder people, but if I believe in Jesus, I'm forgiven. I mean, I, that to me is a theological question. I I don't get that either. Um, right. I mean, so so I guess I would ask, why do you think you need the Ten Commandments to be moral? Well, you don't need it, but the fact is that because I believe that it, it exists, I believe that it is an objective foundation of morality. It's not something that, I mean, I would rather look to something outside of myself as a moral standard than then not do that, then think I can just be the source of morality myself. I can make it up. doesn't matter what I think. If I say it's moral, it's moral. I could be Jeffrey Dahmer carving up the boys and putting them their bodies in the freezer. Uh, what what right. right do you have to tell me that's immoral? If I, if I say it's moral, 
it's moral, and if you say it's not, if you're telling me it's not, then you're discriminating against me. In other words, well, what it does is it creates an objective body of moral and ethical code that I can live by and that I so, can so, point to that's outside of human manipulation. That's the key there. Right. So the, the problem with that, in my opinion, and again, this is only my opinion, if we look at the Ten Commandments, we say that's what we're basing our morality on. Uh, again, sticking with the Old Testament, I mean, slavery, that's not even addressed in the Ten Commandments. Slavery was A-OK in the Old Testament. So if we only look at the Ten Commandments, we're going to miss out on things that at least I would consider slavery immoral. I, I would hope you would, too, and I assume that you do. But that's something that well, you first think of all, would be mentioned let... over having no other gods. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me respond to that. Firstly, the sure. uh, the the, uh, the Torah began the process of abolishing slavery. It recognizes that slavery existed in human society, but the slavery of the Torah was not the same thing as the slavery in the Western Hemisphere in the in the American South. The uh, the slave in the Torah, it, it actually don't forget this was at a time before capitalism when you didn't have free trade of goods and services, you didn't have a development of private ownership, and the slave was treated as a family member. They had, they got, you know, to rest on the on the Sabbath, and they, they were required to, you know, there was all these regulations. So I would argue that it moved mankind away from slavery. When we come back... This report is brought to you by in-flight Wi-Fi provider GoGo. Technology is making the skies a little friendlier this holiday season and less turbulent for travelers at crowded airports. Not only can you get ahead of lines at the gate by checking in for your flight on your smartphone, now mobile app Gate Guru will tell you how long it'll take to clear security. With TripIt's app, track your family's itinerary, store hotel and rental car information, and make last-minute adjustments. Cassie Slane, lifestyle technology expert. Wherever you leave off on the ground, pick up at 30,000 feet. GoGo is available on more than 2,000 airplanes across 11 airlines. And if your flight plans take you overseas for the holidays, you may notice connectivity to certain international destinations this year. Surf the web, send emails, and stay connected on social media. Plus, GoGo Vision offers a variety of TV shows and movies that you can stream directly to your own device to keep the kids entertained and make the flight fly by. For more information, visit gogoair.com. This report brought to you by Bank of America, working with travel expert Samantha Brown. Exploring a new city can be an exciting adventure, but worrying about budget can take the fun out of any vacation. According to a recent Bank of America survey, more than half of Americans make vacation choices based on travel costs. Samantha Brown, TV host and travel expert. One of the best ways you can save on travel expenses is to stay with family or friends. Or, if that's not an option, it's generally cheaper to travel during off-peak seasons. One of my favorite ways to offset costs is using a travel rewards credit card that gives me the flexibility to use my points towards a broad range of travel expenses. With the Bank AmeriCard Travel Rewards Credit Card, you earn unlimited 1.5 points for every dollar spent on all your purchases. Simply redeem points for an online statement credit to pay yourself back for travel-related expenses. This way, your everyday purchases can help pay off your fun activities and help your travel budget. For more information, visit www.bankofamerica.com slash travel rewards. This report is brought to you by Ziploc brand bags and containers. Whether it's school events, office parties, or gift shopping, the holiday to-do list is never-ending. But moms have an ally to take control of the chaos. Candace Cameron Bure, actress, producer, New York Times best-selling author, wife, and mother of three. 
The holidays are so much fun but can be totally chaotic. As a busy mom, I've learned a lot of life lessons and time-saving tips thanks to Ziploc brand. From organizing my home to DIY gifts to preparing holiday dinners, Ziploc brand products help me conquer life's chaos so I can spend quality time with my family and friends. Looking for easy, affordable gifts? Bake your favorite treat, place in a Ziploc brand holiday container or bag, and finish off with a festive ribbon or bow. Stock up on Ziploc for delicious holiday leftovers. The new containers with one press seal lock in freshness and easily stack to keep shelves neat and organized. When empty, they can be nested within each other, saving valuable storage space. For more information, visit lifelessons.ziploc.com. This report brought to you by the 60 Plus Association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's clean power plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60 Plus Association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact America. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Josh Prevels, my guest. Preville, sorry, Josh. Um, the uh, website is joshpreville.com. The movie is uh, Losing God. Uh, Josh, with the, I mean, just to finish up regarding slavery. The, uh, the Torah puts in place the beginnings of what would become labor law. They basically, it was forbidden for the Israelites to abuse their slaves. I mean, this is in its time and in the context of the times, it was quite progressive. I mean, it, was, it began mankind on the path toward recognizing the sovereignty of the individual at a time before, as I said, capitalism had been developed. Now, in modern times, we've seen man who's turned his back on the Bible bring back slavery in a major way, and I'd point to communist countries, left-wing, progressive, socialist, communist countries, which have enslaved their entire populations. The Nazis, another Nazi socialist entity, enslaved tens of thousands of people. That happened in, in recent times. That's a reversion to slavery, and it was one that was completely contrary to Judaic law which, of course, was embraced by Christianity. So I think we have to look at that in context. It wasn't slavery like, you know, with people being whipped in, the, in a field. I mean, that wasn't what was going on. It actually was a reform from that. That was the activity of the pagan nations around the Israelites who were worshiping idols. And, by the way, idols represent the ultimate example of a man-made entity. Earthen, you know, they, they took you know, earth and stone, and they created these things with with fire in the belly so people could throw their babies in it. I mean, this was basically the whole, one of the thrusts of the, of the Torah, one of the revelations at Sinai was that God was coming down and telling man to get rid of those practices, that those are, those are made by pharaohs and by kings, and to uh, 
to see beyond that, to, to, to go to a higher level, to get rid of things like human sacrifice. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, one of the things you said really stuck out to me. You said it's not like they were out whipping their slaves in the field. Um, in the book of Exodus, I believe it's chapter 21. Don't count me on this. It's either 20 or 21. Uh, there's a verse that explains that if anyone beats their slave with a rod and the slave dies because they beat him so hard, then they have to punish the owner. But if they beat him and they're able to get back up and recover and not die, then we should not punish the slave owner. So, I mean, this is, I think, in the discussions I have, and we don't really touch well, well, on well, well, wait, 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 wait. Let, let, movie, but let me just respond ahead, to that again. Again, that was a reform with regard to what was going on at that time. Don't forget, the, uh, the, the Torah takes place in collectivist times. It was before man had developed a consciousness. People were beaten to death all the time. To say that this moved man away from those sorts of practices, it wasn't a situation where you could you know, murder you know, a million unborn babies or a million people in communist China. This was a move away from that practice and saying that it was forbidden to murder. So, you know, right, so. again, this has to be viewed as as the movement, you know, because this is what the condition was for the human society at that time. Unfortunately, it still is in some areas. It moved man away from those practices by stepping him on the road uh, you know, toward reform in, in a context that they could understand given the brutal nature of those times. And it wasn't endorsing slavery. It simply was trying to regulate slavery as a move toward basically reducing it. Right. So if we look at the full context, right, if God is giving mm-hmm. laws to the people, right, and you're saying that we really need God's objective morality to be moral, because if we're atheists, then we don't have anybody to look to. If we're looking to God right. at that point in time, God said, listen, if you hit your slave and they die, we're going to punish you. But if they don't die, it's okay. That's what it says in Exodus. No, that's so not what this it, meant. It, it, it didn't say it's okay. It simply put in a regulation saying that you will be punished if you kill your slave because back then people were killing slaves. It was a reform. You, it didn't if, say it was okay. If you don't kill your it's slave, simply, you won't be punished for beating them. Are you saying that's not a, right, a which, sort of a brushing off? No. First of all, the, the beating was not what, what you, you think of when you think of, like, the antebellum self. It was more like a kind of like the, the way somebody would slap their child, that kind of a thing. The, with a, uh, with a rod, you know, according the, to Exodus. Yeah, with a rod like they might do in a, you know, the old days in, in, in the elementary school, you know, because you misbehaved. Now, again, I'm not endorsing that. By the way, I'm against that personally. But it's, it, it was saying that you cannot, you know, you know abuse a person. You can, you can use, you know, capital punishment if they're not capital punishment, but you can use physical punishment to deal with uh, misbehavior. But, you know, it basically reformed it in that it said you can't, you know, do something that would endanger their life. It was, it was to be viewed as in the context of a reform. A man, and it's one that we should listen to. Though. We'll be right back. By Bank of America, working with travel expert Samantha Brown. Exploring a new city can be an exciting adventure, but worrying about budget can take the fun out of any vacation. According to a recent Bank of America survey, 
more than half of Americans make vacation choices based on travel costs. Samantha Brown, TV host and travel expert. One of the best ways you can save on travel expenses is to stay with family or friends. Or if that's not an option, it's generally cheaper to travel during off-peak seasons. One of my favorite ways to offset costs is using a travel rewards credit card that gives me the flexibility to use my points towards a broad range of travel expenses. With the Bank AmeriCard Travel Rewards Credit Card, you earn unlimited one and a half points for every dollar spent on all your purchases. Simply redeem points for an online statement credit to pay yourself back for travel-related expenses. This way, your everyday purchases can help pay off your fun activities and help your travel budget. For more information, visit www.bankofamerica.com slash travel rewards. This report brought to you by the 60 Plus Association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's Clean Power Plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60 Plus Association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact Americans. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Josh Pavilla is my guest. Uh, Josh, I guess that um, what I would suggest is that the um, the moral code that came out of the Torah, um, it, it takes a look at life as it is, and it begins to regulate things in such a way that man can move toward sovereignty, toward improvement. I mean, it was the Torah that put forth the rules of engagement when it came to war. It was the Torah that put forth in the Sinai the idea of creating a separate judiciary and a separate limited government. They created the concept of private ownership of property when Abraham bought a plot of land to bury his wife. It created a a system of weights and measures where we can have honest money. It established business relationships, the proper means by which we should trade goods and services. It established personal relationships, sexual relationships, relationships between nations. In other words, the entire body, it's more than just the Ten Commandments. It is an entire blueprint for how one ought to order their life as imperfect beings because we're all created in the image of God. We're not gods. And it also points the, points the, the way forward in terms of uh, how to advance uh, you know, by helping your neighbor. I mean, the idea of love your neighbor as yourself, that's not something that's exists in nature. That's something that is learned. I mean, it's, a, it's an idea that, you know, you develop from somewhere. I would say that whether you are a believer or not, the Western concepts as embodied in the United States come from the Torah, even if you think the Torah is man-made. Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me again. Um, when it comes to... The, you know, the Torah as the moral standard. I'm not saying there's not good stuff in there. You know, all 
and as you know, I, I uh, was a former Pentecostal. We talk about this in Losing God, uh, my movie that's now on DVD. But morality is one of the big issues we talk about. So what I'm the, the statement I'm trying to make here is that I believe you said that we need to get our morals from God, right? And as a former Pentecostal, God speaks to us through His Word is how we interpret that, right? So mm-hmm. if we're looking back to the Old Testament for our morals, that's great. There's plenty of good stuff we can get out of that. I'm with you on that. However, your claim is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, your claim is that we... we have based everything on a, a an objective moral standpoint, and that's better than subjective. And my argument is it is not, because if we look toward the Old Testament, we see that there are some parts where it says very outright there's a punishment for doing something wrong, right? If a man has sex with his mother-in-law, they shall be burned at the stake. That's in Leviticus. Right. Yet in Exodus... If a man is going to hit his slave with a rod and, and the slave does not die, we won't punish him at all. My point is, subjectively, I'd say we, we need to punish somebody for beating another human being, regardless of what the standards are in place that he's going to help me, you know, mow my lawn or with my crops or whatever you want to, you know, put the context. The context, in my mind, is subjectively we should say that's wrong because it's hurting another human being regardless of what God tells us is okay. Well, why do you think that, it, first of all, why would you think it would be wrong? Where do you come up with that? And secondly, the idea of, the, uh, of, of retaliation, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, again, this has to be viewed, and I'm speaking here more as a Jew. Not, we are not fundamentalists. I mean, I would right. argue that um, while Christians mean well in, in, in that they're fundamentalists, they sometimes miss the point because number one, the the uh, the Torah can't be accurately translated unless you know it in Hebrew, and secondly, the the Talmud basically takes Torah law and it applies it. It created a basis upon which we have a system of justice, a system of jurisprudence. But instead of, if you read the Talmud and you understand how that's applied, instead of literally taking an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and again, that's not what it says in Hebrew. It means that you're compensated. It means that there's a system by which justice is rendered, and the compensation is usually in the form of money, or if it is a capital crime, it's in the form of an execution. All right, a we'll Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore speaks, people listen. For taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? 
It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Brought to you by Bank of America. Many millennials worry they'll end up in the red by spending too much green this holiday season. A new Better Money Habits Millennial Report found 70% of millennials enjoy giving presents, but 45% worry about overspending on them. Those with credit cards seem most concerned. Older millennials appear more stressed about holiday debt than their younger counterparts. Bank of America Global Corporate Social Responsibility Executive Andrew Plepler explains why so many millennials may not feel the holiday cheer. Everybody wants to be generous during the holiday season. Millennials especially want to treat their friends and family. But the fact is a majority of millennials live paycheck to paycheck and find it difficult to live within their means, which can make the holiday season particularly stressful. To help millennials tackle financial issues during the holidays at any time of year, Bank of America has partnered with education innovator Khan Academy to offer BetterMoneyHabits.com, a free resource with objective and engaging content on a range of personal finance topics. Visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is Josh Perville. He's a filmmaker, author, mentalist. Uh, the website is joshperville.com. You know, Josh, I don't want to be misunderstood as criticizing fundamentalist Christianity, even though I may not subscribe to it, um, because I think that in practice, they're not taking an eye out for an eye. I mean, they do live within the system of jurisprudence that I would argue emanates from a more Judaic understanding of, of the Torah, which is the foundation of the American system as well. But even if one does say that, you know, one looks at the text, the, the example is that, you know, in a very visual way, that there needs to be justice for crime. There needs to be compensation when one uh, commits a violation of someone else's rights. And, uh, you know, and by the way, I think that Islam is also, even though they accept the Torah, there needs to be some reform there as well in terms of understanding the greater nuance and realizing that you don't literally poke out someone's eyes. It's never been done. It's more a matter of, of finding a system of jurisprudence where there can be a penalty levied based upon the severity of the crime. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think... I mean, I think we all, for the most part, uh, agree within society there needs to be laws. My only point is that if we're looking to the, you know, Judeo-Christian objective morality that they're asserting, because I don't necessarily believe that it is objective. I think that it, it, it's something that, I mean, it's tough when you use these terms, because 
I think someone is asserting objectivity, right? They're saying, well, God made the rules. We need to follow God. But I think it was originally a subjective you know, standpoint. I think somebody had to write it down and come up with it. And then we all follow it. So, I mean, if we're if we're claiming well, that, th- that's reason, because Josh, you know, you're not a believer. <laughs> that's that's fine. Right. You're not well, a believer. I mean, if, if that's, you... that's the question. So, if we're looking to this uh, asserted objective morality, you've made the claim. Well, we got to get it there because if we don't follow it, we're going to go downhill. I'm saying if we're reading the Old Testament and we want to look to that, we can see that the context is. Some things, yes, very good. You should not kill people. Other things, not so good. That's all I'm saying. Well, you have to look at the context. My point is that you are, I would suggest you study with a rabbi. All right, we'll be right back. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer. Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thanks so much, and uh, Joshua Bill's my guest. Uh, Josh, you know, you, you mentioned objective versus subjective. I would argue that um, the moral code of Sinai is objective, and it's objective, and moral law and morality itself is objective. And what makes it objective is that it's divine, because if it was subjective, if it was made up, then what would come to natural to man as an animal would be to kill or to have, you know, Free sex, or free love, or free, uh, you know, steal, or, or all of these things. Those are natural impulses. The restraining aspect of it is something that is objective and that's outside, in a sense, of simple nature. It's something that's, uh, I would argue, finds its source outside of the invention of man. It comes from God. But since we're reaching the, toward the end of the program, I want to ask you, I'll change the subject a little bit here. And sure. I noticed that on your website, you're, you, you're into mentalism. You do mentalist performance. What is that? What yeah. is mentalism? Well, uh, and there's a lot of, sort of like the word atheist. You know, you take a word and people have their own meanings. Um, but I, I think for the most part, the agreement on what mentalism is, uh, it's a performance art in which you, you take the classic magic tricks, right, which are sort of, you know, sometimes can be corny, but sometimes can be pretty impressive. And, and you add in an extra level of psychology to it. And, and me personally, I take in a lot of pseudoscience, so it, it becomes more of uh, taking on, let's say, psychics. I don't believe in psychics, and the, the tagline is, uh, I take what they do and I try to do it better. So th- there's a technique called uh, cold reading in which uh, most, uh, I, I'd say most performers, not all, but most performers, 
who do cold reading would argue that's what psychics are doing. They're giving the illusion that they can commune with the dead. So let's say an example of one of the things that would happen in a mentalist performance is uh, I, I would do a performance of cold reading. So I would explain how the psychics work as I'm putting on a, a psychic feat, basically, showing how a psychic medium would be deceiving the audience. So at the same time, you're getting a performance that you're enjoying, but you're learning something from it, and you're, getting, you're taking something away in the end. So it's basically, it's like magic, but you add in mind reading and that type of stuff, which my argument is there's no such thing as mind reading either. But you give that illusion of things related to the mind more so than somebody who does, you know, shows you uh, effects with cards or a big stage act would do. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, it, it sounds like it's it's the use of um, of illusion and um, distraction. I mean, it's not since you're not involved with mind reading, and I don't know if there's such a thing either. But um, I mean, I think it does. I mean, what what exactly does this performance look like? I mean, what are you doing when you make when you when you're performing? Sure. Well, I, I usually cater it. It depends on what I'm doing. If it's more of like a corporate event or a uh, sort of just a local uh, thing, but. Well, uh, there's a few things I'll do. There's a performance all about uh, psychics in, in general. So there's a lot of different types of psychics out there. There's people who believe in PK, where you can move things with your mind. Uh, there's people who believe that you can... Uh, it's something called remote viewing, where you can see things. That a lot of times they believe that uh, the government hired psychics to do remote viewing during the Cold War. Um, so remote viewing is when you can see something... Uh, somewhere else and not, not be there. So see, for example, if I could see what was going on in your studio right now, okay? So I, I, one of the main things I do is we go through all the different types of, of psychic categorizations, basically, communing with the dead, you know, tarot cards, all that type of stuff mm -hmm. that I don't believe is mystical at all. I, I believe it's all based in the psychological techniques, in biological techniques, and in trickery, in illusion. So I'll go through, and it, it will be a performance in which you can see these feats, and we actually expose some of them for the audience. So uh, it, it really depends on what you're going there for to see. But for the main part, lately, I think the last two or three years, I've been really taking on psychics, and, and we actually have a project coming out uh, maybe within a year or two that's going to actually deal with psychic powers and, and put it basically in, in a sort of a... Uh, mainstream viewpoint uh, in, in another uh, type of film project that we're going to be doing. But, yeah, for the most part, lately, in the last few years, I I've been dealing mostly with psychic abilities. You do demonstrations that if you came in believing I'm a psychic, you would walk away convinced. But we'll actually say, listen, this is not psychic, and, and some of it we actually expose. Right. You know, I mean, this is this is an area where I have a feeling I would mostly agree with you on. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I, I understand that there have been some people who have worked, for example, with police departments who ha have certain intuitive ability to help them solve solve crimes. Uh, you know, there's been some murders that have been allegedly solved that way. But I, I really don't know a lot about it. I'm very skeptical on it, actually. Um, you know, yeah, but, and that's, uh, that's the whole we ESP try to thing. Yeah. In uh, everything, yeah, and, and I, like I, you know, with the police force. Uh, a lot of those things we, we try to work on and talk about as well. Okay, we'll be right back, uh, Josh, and we'll let people know how they can find out more about you.
This report brought to you by the 60 Plus Association. Across the country, energy rates are about to go up. That's according to a recent survey. Energy Ventures analysis found people in 45 states will see double-digit increases in their wholesale electricity costs. Folks in 23 states could potentially face peak year price increases of 20% or possibly even more. The surge stems from the EPA's Clean Power Plan to cut carbon pollution from the power plants by 30%. James Martin, 60 Plus Association chairman, worries the new regulations will negatively impact Americans. Many people have expressed concerns that the EPA's regulations will eliminate low-cost electricity and replace it with more expensive and less reliable electricity resources. And this study validates those concerns. Fixed-income households will be hardest hit by higher electricity costs, especially the country's growing senior population. We need a balanced solution, one that reduces environmental emissions without damaging the economy or the electric grid. For more information, visit 60plus.org. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. And uh, Josh Paville uh, has been with me and is with me. Uh, Josh, I, I want to thank you for joining me for two hours today on, uh, dare I mention, two days before Christmas. Uh, yes. To talk about your, your non-belief and... Uh, uh, let my listeners once again know where they can get more information about you and your work. Sure. My website, joshreville.com. You can go on. A lot of people don't understand. We actually have a, I have a YouTube channel, Josh Preville Films, where you can see, if you don't want to buy the full movie, you can actually see a, a ton of clips for free from the movie. You can go check them out. They're actually pretty good uh, from feedback we get from believers and atheists. Uh, and I also do, uh, my brother appears in the film. He became an atheist about the same time I did. And we actually have a series that we do called The Atheist Brothers Take On. So we give our perspective as former born-again Pentecostal Christians turned atheists, basically, on various issues that, you know, you can't put into the film, we don't have time, whatever it is. Various topics we'll get into and address in short little videos that very informal. We just have a good time with it, and we get good feedback. But all of this is available either at my website, joshpreville.com, or if you go to losinggodmovie.com, you can check out the film, and all the links are up there. It all links together, losinggodmovie.com. All right, Josh, listen, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Hey, thanks again and, for having uh, me, Chuck. It's I my sh- pleasure. You bet. Okay, take care. And I shall be back, God willing, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sam Blumenfeld will be with me. I'm also going to be doing a program on the um, – the police imbroglio in New York City. We'll be getting back into some hard news issues at that time. And, of course, then I shall be off for the Christmas holiday and on through till New Year's. You certainly could check out my books. They're available at Amazon or Amazon Kindle. Just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, M-O-R-S-E, as in Morse code, and up they come. Um, and, of course, my blog site is uh, Chuck Morse Speaks. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening this afternoon. And again, I shall return, God willing, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here at the USA Radio Network. Have a good day, everybody.
awful. And now you're thinking about dragging yourself to see a doctor. You're in the waiting room filled with people who look sicker than you or worse, waiting endlessly in the emergency room. That's the way the system works, right? Wrong. Now there's a better way. Imagine having a doctor on call 24-7 that can help find out what's going on and even call in a prescription to your local pharmacy right over the phone, all at a fraction of the cost. I'm talking no deductibles, no extra costs, no appointments, and no germ-filled waiting rooms. Just top-notch medical doctors 24-7. Call now to be accepted 100% guaranteed. But you must call now to register for free and get your health pass absolutely risk-free for 14 days. Just call 800 375 It's easy and affordable, and registration is free. Call now to get 24-7 coverage starting today. But hurry, free registration will not last forever. Call 800-375-0299. That's 800-375-0299. 800-375-0299.